Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Mr. Wharf. Fire. And now the actual conclusion. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 74. These are the continued voyages of this podcast, and um, and we're going to do Best of the Both Worlds Part 2. We're not going to be needlessly antagonistic towards the seven people who listen to this. <laughs> no bullshit. If you think that you may have heard an episode that came in between Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and Best of Both Worlds Part 2, um, there wasn't. And uh, <laughs> looking at the analytics, statistically, there's a good chance that you could believe that because very, very few of you listen to it. Uh, how you been anyway, Mark? Good. I got married, but that's in the past. <laughs> what's What's really been bothering me now is uh, my uh, my ne- so the the street the street outside of my house right is uh, right. is a free for all when it comes to parking, and now I know obviously that puts me in a very privileged position. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, it does come with its own uh, demerits. For example, the guy who lives next door to me, the family who live next door to me, have taken it upon themselves to take up three car park spaces, uh, and uh, I'm not happy about it. Here's here's the, here's the situation, right? Here's here's how to get a. He, now they're they're lovely, right? I'll say that right off the bat. If you're listening to this, I'm not going to name them. They'll figure out who they are. If, 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 if they do happen to listen to this, welcome. I hope you enjoyed the <laughs> Wrath of Khan episode. But they, first of all, they have a caravan that they use as a, as a sort of spare room for, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the patriarch of the family. <laughs> He's in and out of there quite a lot. So that's just on the street. That's permanently parked there. They don't take that anywhere. That's part of the house, right? Then, in front of the caravan, they have um, a broken-down car uh, that he has been repairing for six months at this point, right? So I'd say it's safe to say that's that's totally written off, right? You, you take the tax disc out, that's gone, right? Now, yeah. the space... Between, now, picture in your head a car and a caravan, right? Okay, now, yeah, I've got that. You can't, you, you, what you don't picture, I imagine, is the... Um, is the space in between the car and the caravan. And the space between their car and the caravan is, quite frankly, offensive, right? It's 
what I would call a half space of its own, right? Well, they can't they can't back the car up any closer. It doesn't move. Take the brakes <laughs> off and push it, right? Or 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 just have or just pull the caravan, right? There's 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 a there's a myriad of solutions to this, and so far none of them seem to have been attempted. Now, these two things combined, fine, right? Because they are doing that in front of their own house, right? Okay. That's 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 their prerogative, in 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 in, in the sort of utopian society that I envision that we will one day live. It, it, there is a sort of libertarianism to it, and and that we will not enforce rules. We will just hope that everyone, for the sake of society, will enforce themselves. Right. No. So so that's fine. Now here's the problem. One of them has just had a baby. And uh, it's, the, it's 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 a young young person, and uh, the ba- the the baby's dad, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> I haven't prodded this far into it. Um, his his work van now sits behind the caravan. So it's it's not even a car; it's a van. It's a van, a caravan, and a car. A car uh, right. Picture this: a car, <laughs> half an empty space that's doing no one any good. A caravan, a full full yeah. caravan, right? A decent, like a caravan that you look at and you think, if I were forced to live in a caravan because of economic collapse, I, I could, right. I could like, and not like a, I'm going out to find myself and live in the woods. Like a, if I was forced. Now I'm not saying everyone who lives in a caravan is forced, right? It's a perfectly reasonable way to live your life right? uh, no we're not saying anybody's forced to live in a caravan we're just saying it's a decision that neither of us can fathom no, making I, if... <laughs> I, have a, I have too much stuff right? I, as much as I rally against capitalism and consumerism ultimately it, it, it is the best period that I could have been born into right? now, <laughs> now there's, there's the, the requisite amount of space that the van is going to require to get out that's fine I'll allow that right. and then a van and then, and then, and then, all three of these together make up. They take up all of the space outside of my house, right on that's, the street. That's enough vehicles that that's a plausible settlement in a Fallout game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could easily find like three NPCs, a ghoul, yeah. uh, and a robot living there, and like trade for scrap. And I'm just, I'm thinking a lot about the inevitable conversation that's going to have to come with. Would you mind parking the van across the street where there was always free spaces? <laughs> because it's yes, okay, I could also do that, but I feel like you're taking three and I'm having none, whereas you taking two and me having one and you having to inconvenience again, who I assume is the father of the baby. I have no idea. <laughs> He's just he seems to be the one taking care of it, right? Which at the end of the day is what a father is. <laughs> now here's another wrinkle that may change the way you think about this uh, I don't have a car <laughs> so that's you might see that worrying about this is ultimately a bit pointless that's the best punchline you've ever landed on this podcast <laughs> So, oh. so, how are you? Okay, so my uh, I've been I've, I've I've I'm trying to get off Twitter. Okay, yeah. so because I still need to do social media for the the comedy thing, I've been I've been getting into to to Instagram mm. 
Um, but I only follow about 150 people on Instagram, whereas on Twitter I was following like over a thousand. Mm. It takes it takes very little for you to get a follow from me on Twitter. But what this means is that Instagram has little to no information about me, except that I'm 39 and that I like clips of stand-up comedy. Yeah. So Instagram is trying to make me right wing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just keeps giving me comedy about how millennials are useless uh, and 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 trying to make me side with Israel. But I think those ones have been paid for, right? I don't think that's just an algorithm. Uh, <laughs> and I only say that I'm not I'm not making any sweeping statements. I only say that because the nation state of Israel has started buying YouTube adverts mm. to tell me that I'm a terrible person if I think. Palestinian children shouldn't be bombed, mm. right? That's yeah. I'm going to but, do the proper Starfleet thing here and uh, not take a side on this. <laughs> I'd like to point out <laughs> my official opinion on the whole situation is yes, fucked in it, uh, complicated, isn't it? And 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 I, as a British person, I'm sorry for our role in giving away your Palestinian land to the Israelis yeah, because, we, because we happen to own it. And when, when I say own it, what I mean is we turned up and get the shit out of you. When we, uh, when, we, when we were in Berlin, we went to an open mic night, um, not to perform, just to watch, uh, just to see how it's done. Uh, and, uh, and the, With ruthless efficiency in, in German comedy clubs. It was quite good. You uh, only get three minutes. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> MC in the headline act uh, have, a, have a musical double act. There are two Israelis... <laughs> um, and uh, they sang a song. Uh, a, what was it called? Fuck the Brits! It's all their fault, or something. Like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> it's really funny. I can't, I can't, I can't remember what they were called. But if you, if you, you, if you can piece together who I'm talking about from that description, it's, it's them. They were great. I think you should have come up to it afterwards and just go. Kind of, I, I know that you're trying to the point you're trying to make by saying the Brits, but as, as a Scotsman, I'd like to point out it is England's fault specifically. Uh, <laughs> see, there, were, there, were, there were no nobody in Scotland was consulted on that. That's how I feel. Now, uh, as, I've, as I've always said, there's pros and cons to marrying an Irish woman. Um, <laughs> pro obviously is that my children will have an EU passport. Uh, con is that I had to shatter the long-held delusion that I had that Scotland was completely innocent in the British imperialist system. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. <laughs> look, look, look! If there, uh, if if me, if 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 me, Emma, you, and Laura all got together and we were going to rank people in terms of their guilt and complicity. We'd sort of split Laura in half, right? (laughs) That would be the outcome, yes. Yeah. Uh, Emma's Welsh, so she'd just go along with whatever we say. I'll take the Um, top half. I like her mind. (laughs) It was weird that you included that in your vows. Uh, (laughs) I said, even if I could only have five sixths of you. Oh, she's she's walked into the room. She's shaking her head. I didn't I didn't realise that this was the dynamic that we had now. Now that we're married, that's a good look. That's a really nice dress. I like the combination with the belt. Well, technically, we'd split you into uh, one sixth and five sixths. Your Laura, you're working as a <laughs> Laura. You're working as a metaphor for Ireland. In this, yeah, you're a metaphor, Laura. 
<laughs> Imperialism. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just listen back. Sometimes I wonder about because because cause the office where I record this is next to the living room. And Laura, as far as I'm aware, has stopped listening to the podcasts because every now and again I'll be like, oh, I brought this point up on the podcast. Uh, and she'll just stare at me blankly. <laughs> so I like I like to think that she now just enjoys just listening to my half. <laughs> I, I'd, uh, I'd just pe- try to piece, piece together what you say. I've been learning Klingon on Duolingo, do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Laura knows that, so we can skip over that part. She already knows that. Right. Okay, um, I've just learned that Klingon's on Duolingo, so I'll be learning that yep. over the next... <laughs> right, should we talk about this episode? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, it, uh, right, I, I'm going to put this forward. Normally, when there's a cliffhanger in something, the part two is not as good as part one. Okay? I think this is one of the rare occasions where the part two is, is maybe better. Oh... I'm not going to go as far as better. But as good. I could be convinced to go to as good. I love the fact that it starts immediately with the weapon that they had, ready to fire, the big dramatic moment that we ended on. Just doesn't work. Yeah, 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 Because yeah. <laughs> Picard knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> of course it does. Which is, which is a super interesting... Um, it, it, this is a very well-structured episode, plot-wise, story-wise, um, because... Uh, the, 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 like you could you could look at it as the the cliffhanger that, that happened and we all had to wait three four months to find out the resolution to uh, is essentially thrown away in the in the first uh, part right is and and it, before the before the credits and the pre credits and the cold open but it, not really because the thing the the concept that makes the weapon ineffective is exactly the thing that they use to resolve the problem at the end, right? Yes. So it's a bit like um it, it's a it's it's the la- it's a bit like the last Jedi. I I don't I I don't harp on people who dis dislike the last Jedi. Everyone is legally entitled to their opinion. Uh the Last Jedi, however, is the best Star Wars film since The Empire Strikes Back, and uh, I will not back that up because we're here to talk about <laughs> Star Trek. Right, let's not get into that because I hate that movie. Uh, anyway, so- <laughs> Luke throwing away the lightsaber and the wee boy getting the fucking broom at the end—it's like poetry; it rhymes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, no, okay, right, but yeah, it's it, it's what it's it's what they're gonna it's what I think they're going to do with the doc, with the David Tennant episodes of, of Doctor Who. Well, um, he's not just not going to be in them. <laughs> no, he's just, no, yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's just going to be like, you, stop stop living in the past. All yeah. right. Move on. Maybe, Russell T. Davis. May, like... Maybe specifically the past of the last three or four seasons of Doctor Who. Maybe that's specifically yeah. the past you stop living in. <laughs> if, if any of you ever indeed did buy a house there which I don't, I don't think many of you did I think my dad and, my dad and Jodie Whittaker's parents are the only people who watched every single episode of that season I, I watched it and Jodie Whittaker is a great Doctor Who completely let down by I don't I think don't think she has one good Doctor speech yeah. in yeah anyway anyway but no th- this episode what I was going to say great, is great episodes right this 
my thing with the last episode, I've talked a lot about how this works. It works so well as an episode if if Riker's going to take over. Yeah. This episode, right up until the last five ten minutes, could be an episode where they're going to kill Picard. Oh yeah, it, it, like <clears throat> Laura turned around to me and and she it, she this is her first time going through, but but like we've like watched First Contact and stuff from down the line. Um, and uh, she had, she was like, "Oh, so Picard's just out for a bit." <laughs> like, it, like they, like they, 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 set it up as if like he's maybe going to go and do some R and R and go and recover, and Riker's going to be in charge for a while, maybe, maybe like half a season. But they don't. They, they just no. Which is it's fine. It's it's episodic television from the from the nineties. That that needs to happen. He gets one episode of leave, yeah. which is while the Enterprise is being refitted. Um, which is the most leave anybody's ever gotten um, in Star Trek to <laughs> yeah. deal with any of the harrowing psychological shit they go through. Yeah. When when we get onto Deep Space Nine, some stuff is going to happen to O'Brien that's just just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of O'Brien, play the jingle. O'Brien Watch. Uh, oh, O'Brien Watch. This is a fucking great he's O'Brien in this episode. episode. And it's, he's great yeah. in this episode. Yeah. I like the bit where later on there's a bit where Data's trying to hack into the Borg collective but because of the way the episode's structured Geordie's got to be an engineering fixing the ship so O'Brien's like the engineer that's in there yeah. and he goes alright well what, what should and he goes oh, just keep an eye on those readouts and if it goes wrong just unconnect me and O'Brien's like right okay but what exactly am I looking for and Data's <laughs> like oh I don't know I've never done this before <laughs> yeah. O'Brien gives him the look of like you fucking maniac. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where are we? Right, so we're on the we're on the cube. <clears throat> Locutus yeah. is on the cube. Uh, yeah. The only Borg so dangerous they gave him a goddamn name, etc. The fleet are going to head them off at wharf three three five nine. It's something we'll hear about again a few times. It's forever. <laughs> yeah, I because yeah, I said to I said to Laura, I was like, you are about to see Starfleet's nine eleven. But something that they do that I think is genuinely quite genius, and it's it's so clever that thinking about the timeline, it was surely completely unintentional. Is that they do not show you the Battle of Wolf Three Five Nine? No. In Star Trek: The Next Generation, but they slowly start showing you it for the rest of time, and and every other show, which I think is fantastic. The first time we get a look into what it was like to be in the Battle of War three three five nine is the uh, like the pilot episode of DS nine, yeah. because when they turn up when they turned up at the fight place where the fight had happened and see all those dead ships like broken apart, I did immediately think, oh, Cisco's dead wife's there. <laughs> She's floating about in space. Jenny Cisco, right? But but yeah, I like the fact they didn't have the budget to do the battle as they should, so they just didn't put it in there and now in the future we have the technology that at some point somebody will make that exactly as it was that we can see it from and it's terrifying well you can sort of do that now there's there's enough um star trek uh space simulators that that you can set to auto that i i i, th- I think it can be done like it, i think you can find i think i've watched it i i actually think there's a youtube video online of a guy taking you through the major beats of Wolf 359 with graphics in the style of like a Ken Burns documentary. If I haven't seen that, make someone do that. 
they they name they list off three ships as being like dead. Yeah. But they, you can see many many more and nearly every Star Trek from this point forward set in the future of this event has at least one character who has a tragic backstory related to Wolf. And it's what I love about it is it's just one Borg cube. It's not the whole Borg collective. They didn't send that many. No. They just send one because that's all they need. Yeah. And it thoroughly rocks Starfleet's shit. Oh, yeah. Because it's not just Starfleet. They, they, like, the Klingons turned up and they were like, oh, we, we were thinking about phoning the Romulans. Yeah. It's like, what? what's there to fucking think about? <laughs> just call them and go, look, we don't get on, but... <laughs> we, are, we are about to have our asses handed to us on a platter. And I can hear you already celebrating, but just think for a minute, if they take <laughs> us out, who's next? Yeah, and and then they'll have their shit and our shit, and then and they'll Klingons. be fucking invisible. <laughs> and yeah, they'll be invisible and fucking have Batlefs grafted into them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, look, it, 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 I I I think the I think the idea of of plot holes is is a complicated one. I I don't I don't think it's that important but i also don't think it's that unimportant i i do think you need to have an internal logic within a a, a universe that that make because that's how people follow stories um yeah but the and with the borg we we do have to contend with the idea that not only are the klingons and the romulans the only people who ever develop cloaking technology but that none of their ships are ever assimilated yeah which is fine. Yeah. I, I don't, if if the Borg were invisible, I I wouldn't watch that episode. I'd be too scared. We don't see any exploded Klingon ships at Wolf three five nine, and there weren't any Klingons there. As, ever, like that's been established. So I choose to believe that what the Klingons have done is maybe they've prepared their fleet to like if Earth gets assimilated, we need to turn up and nuke the shit out of planet Earth. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah that yeah we got a yeah. <laughs> what a um, plan! I mean, the Enterprise has done some dodgy stuff in the past, but blow up Earth. That's that's got to be. Yeah, I, I. I wonder if there's a protocol for it. There's so much love about this episode. I want to say, um, I love the scene of uh, Picard getting properly fully assimilated, where they put more stuff on him, yeah. and he's got that single tear to show he's still inside. Yeah. Um, I do think that if one thing, if we had with modern TV technology, we would definitely have him being like cut to pieces because the fact that they slide a thing onto his arm rather than like cut his arm off and like replace it. Yeah, because it, re- it, it really made me think of, you know, that joke in The Simpsons where Homer gets stuck inside the vending machine and then a the guy's going <laughs> to cut his arm off and he says, Homer, are you just holding on to the can? That's what it made me think of. The note that that's one of my all-time favourite Simpsons jokes is the note that he has to give to Marge because they goes, "I had the fireman write me a note," and the note says, "While we were trying to rescue your husband, two lumber yards burned down." <laughs> my favourite joke in the Simpsons, I I think it might be hands down. I don't, I don't know why I find it so funny because there's so many more, there's so many cleverer jokes, but I think this one's just perfect. Which is a home, Lisa goes into the pet store and says, "I need the smartest hamster you have." And a guy says, "This guy writes mysteries under the name J.D. Salinger." And Lisa says, "How does he do that?" And the guy replies, "Well, he gets the end in first, and then he walks backwards." 
which I am I I, I, I would not believe is not like one of like an original vaudeville joke. But, <laughs> I love that's, it. That's great. Yeah. That's fine. Um, okay, right. We often talk about episodes being good for different. Like, okay, this episode is not a wolf focused episode, but it's such a good wolf episode. Oh. Oh, the, the the line "I like my species exactly how it is" is fantastic. That's great, but also the line "The Borg have neither honor or courage." That is our greatest advantage. Is fucking sublime. Yeah. <laughs> um, he does. He does say a lot of the best things about the Borg. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, of course, being the phenomenal soliloquy on the, on the Borg condition, which is uh, "Swords are fun." <laughs> Um, I uh, was going to say I really like that when they do so the the whole the, the theme of the episode is basically that Riker has to be his own self because he can't just do what Picard would yeah. do because Picard knows what Picard would do yeah Riker responds to this by coming up with the madman plan of talking to talking to Picard long enough to distract him that he can separate the saucer section which he isn't using to make anybody on the ship safer. He's using as a second weapons platform. And all of this is done just so they can kidnap Picard, which they're not doing because they can... They're not trying to save Picard. They just think that they can use him to somehow access and take down the Borg. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I mean, they could have nicked any Borg drone. Let's not focus on that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing, is that best of both worlds... Only becomes about Picard in retrospect. Yeah. With the other times that Picard has to deal with having been Locutus, Best of Both Worlds is unequivocally a Riker to Parter. Um, and, yeah. and the 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 journey that he goes on. I mean, it it, it it's 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 hardly subtext. He say he fucking spells it out. Uh, Shelby, <laughs> you are the person I was. I need to be the captain, and I, and again, and I'll, I'll I will fucking die on this hill. Shelby does absolutely nothing wrong, and does did not deserve to die uh, on the Enterprise. <laughs> uh, I absolutely like love um, his decision to like make Shelby second in command. Is like yeah. he goes and he goes, Wolf. Genuinely, if we were just in peacetime, not yeah. having this conversation, I'd, I'd choose you. But I need you at tactical. You're Established with that, and he looks at Data, and he goes, "Data, I'm well aware that you can't feel ambition, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to know that I seriously considered you." And instead, what he does is he puts Worf and Data together to take a uh, shuttlecraft on board. Uh, for, and I yeah. was thinking about this with the two of them. That's from a psychological perspective. Why are we not doing this every episode? <laughs> just, they're the most terrifying duo. It's like, yeah. oh, so. What, how do we win the fight? Well, what if we can get them to run away? What, the Klingon and the being who's incapable of feeling fear? <laughs> <laughs> the only way they're going to run away is if Worf gets severely injured and Data has to drag him to safety. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, there's, there's a really... I, I mean, I've, I've made it very clear on that I, I love early to mid-90s television. I love it. I love the way it looks. I love the four three aspect ratio. I love the I love the way they have to block shows because of how tall the screen is and how not wide it is. 
I I fucking love it, right? I I pre- I'm what I much prefer the way that Star Trek: The Next Generation looks than the way that Strange New World looks, uh, because Strange New Worlds, yes, okay, it, it it looks like Star Trek, but it also looks like every other show. Um, it, yeah. it, 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 it it kind of is like a lesser Battlestar Galactica, which is another one that has such a unique visual. Uh, Battlestar Galactica came out twenty. It it looks like it could have come out fucking yesterday, right? If you could take what Strange New World sees on their view screen, yeah, and put that into TNG, yeah, TNG would be perfect. perfect. That's literally, yeah. And it's just they don't quite have the tech to do justice to how good I think space should look. It's funny that you say that because the bit I'm referring to is when Worf and Data get in the shuttle and there is the shot of them saying, okay, we're taking off now. And the shuttle apparently lifts up and moves out of the hangar. Yeah. The the window shot of them leaving the hangar is amazing. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. It, it, it makes it... Like, they could have just cut... They could have just cut to them being outside they, and they didn't they were like we are going to do something that was probably quite expensive <laughs> yeah there's I, I, I'm going to just say the, the very next episode of, of, of this is set entirely at Picard's vineyard right and from a visual effects budget re- point of view there is a fucking reason <laughs> <laughs> they were like, well, okay, well, what if we blow the budget of... There's going to be a few episodes this season where not a lot happens from a visual perspective, and it's because all the money went on this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and rightly so. Yeah. Because I, lo- so I love the idea of what they do, which is they've got the they've got the, the saucer section and the main battle bridge section both firing, and that's just cover for them firing a shuttle, and then they turn off the engine just coast until they're just through the Borg shield. Yeah. And then they beam off, go over, kill a bunch of Borg, steal Picard, and then teleport out. And then immediately, once they get outside the shields, teleport back and it gets blown up with seconds to spare. Yeah, O'Brien fucking nails it oh, on the transport. O'Brien has never not nailed it. <laughs> o- o- O'Brien, O'Brien is, is, is the best technician in Starfleet. And... The Enterprise, the fucking flagship, has him doing a job that on the surface is essentially just pressing buttons. But it's because he presses them buttons really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, to, to put it into perspective, if you if you think Geordie LaForge is the chief engineer on the on the Starship Enterprise and that takes a lot, there is an episode of Deep Space Nine where Miles O'Brien goes on holiday for a week. And the entire station stops working. Yeah, I've seen this one. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because like, he's the only person who knows how he's key- they're keeping all of the Federation technology working with all of the Cardassian technology and all of the ancillary Ferengi technology that's been integrated into it. Yeah, it's the man is like Scotty levels of insane super genius. Yeah. But we don't... He's just literally... He's essentially the doorman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really like the scene between Riker and uh, Guinan. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it really is is is. It, I mean, if you've seen it, you you know it. If if you're listening to this without having watched the episode, that that is the turning point of Riker realizing that he can't just be Picard because she says to him, "You have to let Picard go," 
which he takes as I, I, I can't remember if it's if it, if he if he vocalizes this, but he takes it as oh we have to just let him go with the Borg, and she's like no that's not what I mean you you have to let the idea of him go you are not Picard yeah and you never will be because you're Riker you're different you, you, there's other motives there. it's shortly after he's walked into what well, to be it's, it, I think that seems really important because at the beginning of it he's walked into what I'm certain he thinks of at that point as Picard's ready room. Yes. Um, and he's very much like looking at the chair, thinking what to do. And by the end of that scene, that is Riker's office. Well, he talks to the empty chair. He talks to it yeah. as if Picard is in it. And, and, and the, the again, a genius bit of blocking is that Guinan immediately comes in and sits down in the chair. <laughs> because to, to yeah. portray, well, this is no one's chair at the moment. So I, I'm going to yeah. take it. Yeah. This is just a chair. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, it the only like this is one of those things like very little like it's very sad that for example um, on Deep Space Nine Cisco has a, a baseball on his desk and it's very sad that like Picard hasn't got anything like that that like Guiden could have picked up and like thrown to Riker. That's there are my problems with this episode are all such minor quibbles yeah. though. They're just like tiny little things. Um, my just, my only problems really with this episode are simply that I don't think it's as good as the first one. But I I have issues with endings uh, and third acts, and this is kind of a big half of a second act in the third act, and they pull it off incredibly well. I just I just don't I I, I don't I very rarely is a third act better than its first act. I I I feel. The best, the best way I can sum this up uh, using pop culture from our time. Infinity War is a better movie than Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Endgame has moments that are like is catharsis for a twenty-two movie experiment, yeah. and it's incredible for that. But it, Infinity War is is just a better movie. Yeah, because because you get to do things like well, it's the thing is like when your ending is like no, no, we don't have to care, we can fucking have Picard be a Borg, we can fucking dust yeah. fucking Bucky Barnes. Like, you can do stuff like that. Yeah. And then you have to come up with an actual demoumont that makes sense in your... Wouldn't it be great if they just never made Endgame? It's like, nah, that's it. Um, <laughs> I I think if, if Endgame had been scheduled to come out a year later, in 2020, uh, I think the world would currently be an irradiated wasteland. Um, I think the frustration that would have come from us having to wait longer uh, would have led to someone hitting the button. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take a guess at who I think it might have been. Can, can you imagine that if that movie had been scheduled to come out, and then the like, like you say, the 2020, uh, the, how you would have reacted to the pandemic starting? Uh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was like, I, I, you know, you can you can be all smarmy about the Marvel movies if you want, and you know maybe at the end of the day you were more right than we gave you credit for at the time because it's now becoming apparent that they're all exactly the fucking same film, um, and they 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 maybe ran out of ideas a little bit earlier than we think. Maybe the first Doctor Strange is actually a bit of a pile of shit, uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I just like it because I like magic superheroes. Um, and Dan Harmon, uh, but um, the it, Endgame, it, the, the the 
I'm going to say society. What I mean is nerd society, right? <laughs> I don't mean the homeless population weren't that bothered, I imagine. Um, but uh, but the, the catharsis that we got as a society uh, with Endgame uh, is uh, yeah. If they if they fucked if they fucked that not fucked it up. If if the universe had fucked that up, I, I, I think the human race would have. That would that that would be the moment. Um, where uh, we became the the mirror universe version of ourselves. Yeah. If we travel to the mirror universe version of our current Earth, it will be because Endgame didn't come out. Well, like you can argue that stuff like this doesn't matter, but uh, genuinely, if you've ever seen anybody being interviewed about the Stonewall riots and what started them, um, they will all point out the same thing, which is the police turned up in the Stonewall gay bar to arrest a bunch of people, and they weren't having it that day because Judy Garland had died. Now that yeah. doesn't seem like it should be as important as a cultural event as it is, but that is the basis for the entire pride movement and every like the small things matter. Yeah, um, we've gotten off point. <laughs> uh, great episode. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I the the resolution, of course, they they capture Picard, they get him back onto the Enterprise, they put him into uh, the weird Borg tube uh, that 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 they're going to reuse. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's the it's the tube that Data has in his special lab for making children. Um, <laughs> making children do what? Um, uh, and, oh. and they and they and they discover that. Right. Okay. Here's 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 a point I wanted to bring up. This this has been a pop culture debate uh, since what nineteen ninety four when. 1996 when First Contact came out uh, are the Borg scarier if there isn't a queen In so here's the thing in general yes but I don't think it works for a movie yeah that's the thing that's, yeah. the, the problem is the problem isn't with the Borg queen being introduced for First Contact the problem is look I'm just gonna I'm gonna say something that might seem a bit controversial mm-hmm. but it's, it shouldn't be Voyager ruined the Borg. Um, they appear far too constantly, and the Borg Queen becomes a bit of a character, yeah. which she should never really have been. They should have just been this ominous threat that, like, occasionally, like, the whole of Voyager should have been, no, we have to avoid the Borg no matter what, not we have to find a safe way through Borg space. Yeah. It's like, no, that doesn't exist. The, like, the in, in my opinion, uh, the Borg Queen should have been called the Voice. Uh, she's, oh. the, she's the voice of the Borg rather than the Queen of the Borg because Queen obviously insinuates that she is in charge, whereas yeah. as the voice, it's just a way because they they talk. I mean, they they literally talk about it as Locutus, like they need Locutus as the voice to speak to the Federation. So if there was one overall Borg voice who was like, "This is one unit that we have, and it can talk in a normal way, and it's not weird looking." This is how we communicate with species who are not yet born. If we happen to find ourselves in the situation where we need a single unit to speak for us, which would come up. Yeah. I would... I think that what they should have done in the movie, and it would have helped a lot, is the first time you see the Borg Queen, um, it should have been a different actress than we eventually got, and they should have worked out, like managed to like kill her. Straight away, and then immediately another drone gets plucked, gets re-skinned yeah. or whatever, and becomes the new Borg Queen. 
to sort of suggest that it's a, a role that they need in the hive mind rather than a leader. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, because the fact is the the existence of a bo- okay, right. I am fascinated with the concept of how the Borg came to be, mm-hmm. but also in a way where I I never really need to see it. No. And in fact, um, I would implore them not to. No, and I think it gets touched on in Voyager, and I think what ends up happening is that the Borg Queen is in some way related to whoever starts them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think the Borg should have been around for... I would personally, I'd have the Borg have come from a different fucking galaxy, like yeah, like I'd I'd love to imply in in Star Trek is like oh no the they it's like oh we've defeated the Borg and it's like oh no and so did you not realise this is the this the, the Borg in this Milky Way was sent here, the Milky Way was sent here we already own the fully the Andromeda galaxy yeah. <laughs> like something just genuinely hor- horrifyingly scary yeah there's a concept in the Marvel universe. Uh, in the comics, called the Cancerverse. Oh, and it's yeah. yeah, and it's it's an alternate universe where everything, I think, other than Galactus, has basically been. Uh, I can't really remember. It's been a long time since I've read it, but it, 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 they're not zombies, but they're all sort of one hive mind that's just about like killing all life. And Galactus yeah. has, I think, Galactus escapes that universe to come to ours and then becomes our Galactus, I think. Like I say, it's been a long time I think I'm wrong on that. But the idea of maybe the Borg coming from another universe where they did fucking assimilate everything? Yeah, that would be that would be great. Yeah. Um, What what I'm saying here is that anybody who gives a slight damn about the Borg could have written better Borg stories yep. than they had in Voyager. Uh, yep. <laughs> well, I guess we don't have to contend with that yet because in this, the Borg are just a hive mind and they all think as one. And yeah. that is the resolution is that uh, Troy, who gets something to do, sort of, uh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> she uh, she says, well, he is still in there. I can still feel him. Uh, we just need to figure out a way to get through to him. I okay. Look, here's the thing. I get why. I I'm, I'm not going to slag off the character of Guinan. Um, I think she's great, yeah. and I think Whoopi Goldberg is fantastic. And I, I genuinely think this is one of Whoopi Goldberg's best acting roles. And you can tell yeah. that it means a lot to her to be in Star Trek. But I think sometimes they make the mistake of the scene between Guinan and Riker could have been a scene between Riker and Troy, and it would have meant more. Yeah. Bit, 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 and the only thing that it really offers is the uh, is the is the implication that Picard and and Guinan go way back, yeah, to set up that kind of River Song Doctor dynamic that, yeah. that they eventually get. Yeah, um, but no, I, I think that I will say this: the first part of this episode, Troy gets a lot to do, and Beverly gets almost nothing. Yeah, um, this. New uh, this episode, Riker uh, is very much the Riker, and it sort of to the secondary point, the Beverly and Data show, because mm. um, they're trying to work out like Beverly's all about like oh if, if if we could disconnect Picard from the hive, then it's just micro surgery to put him back to normal. Yeah, but 
we don't know whether this collecting him from the hive kill would him. kill him because yeah. it's like cutting out a piece of your consciousness. And I, I re, I really love that Picard manages to when they sort of like get when Data is hacking into the hive, which is just a great thing for him to do. Data, he Picard manages to like break through long enough just to tell him that he needs to put them to sleep. Yeah. Um, and then the follow on from that is that it's okay I've seen some people talk about this before and say that it doesn't make sense that the Borg cube self-destructs but I'm going to argue that it makes perfect sense that the Borg cube would be set up by the hive that if you were in the middle of a combat scenario and then everybody on board went to sleep we should blow up before anybody can steal all of our technology. I mean, (laughs) anyone who makes that point just wasn't... It it doesn't even come down to the idea of media literacy. They they literally were not (laughs) listening to the dialogue in the fucking episode. Because Riker says, if one of them becomes damaged, they self-destruct. Because they don't want their technology falling into someone else's hands. And even though, yes, they do use Picard's connection to the Borg to essentially hack into the Borg Collective and tell them to do this thing, there would be something in the Borg algorithm that says, hold on a minute, something weird's happening. (laughs) Uh, I don't don't like this, Uh, so time to blow everybody up. Yeah, and it is important to note that this Borg cube that completely rocked Starfleet shit means nothing to the Borg. Yeah. It's not going to be celebrated. They're not going to put it in a museum. This yeah, is just this a thing is... that they sent once to show us we are in fucking charge and you better yeah. up your game. There are thousands of Borg cubes. Yeah. Um uh, and like you know, they don't they don't, and they don't care about the drones. None of this matters to them. Um so yeah. I also gonna say something I do really want to play out. Shelby fucking gets made um uh, second in command, mm-hmm. right? He's second in command for maybe 20 seconds. Then Beverly mentions nanites, and Shelby asks what nanites are, which is a piece of technology that anybody in the future should know, but she seems to be bafflingly unaware of, just to um, help the audience at home have something explained for them. So she settles into the role of uh, second in command immediately. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was Riker's job going forward from this point. Yeah. <laughs> What does that I'm mean? here to professionally. I'm here to professionally not understand yeah. the science things that you just said that everyone in this era would know. Because again, <laughs> like if if they were if they were doing this in uh, Strange New Worlds, right? And I mm-hmm. I love Strange New Worlds. I I think it's great. Um, yeah, it it, can, it cannot hold a torch to the next generation. Nothing ever will. The next generation is the definitive Star Trek until the next definitive Star Trek comes. Fucking fifty years down the line, right? Who cares? Um, but the the way that the, the Picard it, it, touching Data's arm and saying sleep in Strange New Worlds would have ended with uh, Uhura or uh, Carol Kane uh, just sort of like we would visually almost see like a light bulb moment yeah. and then they'd be like oh my god I've got it I'll be right back and then they'd run off and then there would be maybe like another scene and then you would see them with some like technology and, they'd, and someone would be like what are you doing um, and he's like, and they'd be like, I've got an idea. This is going to work. Poof, we'll do it. And then we would see it happen. 
we would see yeah. all the board go to sleep, which would then make us go, oh, that's clever, I guess. Um, whereas in The Next Generation, it, 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 I, in, a, in a way of explaining it to the audiences, if we're, and not that we're all idiots, because that isn't what I took from what Picard was saying. Um, but Data said, I don't think he's trying to communicate that he is fatigued. I think he's trying to communicate that we need to put them to sleep. Yeah, and just says it very matter-of-factly, like, and I and I love that. Yeah, it's great. What what has happened since Star Trek: The The Next Generation was on the air is that uh, the internet has existed and social media has existed, and as a result of that, people who write TV shows are now aware of how fucking stupid you all are, uh, <laughs> and how you need to have your fucking hands held yeah. for everything. You fucking idiots. <laughs> I saw a great um, video the other day and it was a, a Steve Shives video, uh, video um, oh, he's yeah. a great YouTuber yeah. and it was him doing a uh, why, do, why does the people why do the right wing have such terrible media literacy yeah 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 um, which is something he's said for a while because he was doing it based on and he wanted to do the non-political answer uh, like example and he just had Ben Shapiro asking why the third episode of The Last of Us is there yeah uh, and it's like <laughs> Because it deals with exactly the same fucking themes. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, they spell it out in the fucking episode at the end <laughs> when uh, when Joel picks up a letter that says, Dear Joel, see that stuff that all happened? That's you. <laughs> yeah. Bill, underline three X's. Uh, I goes, us, people like us, Joel, <laughs> need to yeah. protect people, people like, like them. Us, Joel, I- brackets, Pedro Pascal. <laughs> need to protect people like them I'm referring to in this case them meaning your girlfriend but she's dead so obviously Ellie will fucking stand in for G- yeah. <laughs> uh, no uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, something else I love about this episode that I want to talk about um, we get to see the, the solar system which we rarely do in Star yeah, Trek nice, not a lot yeah. of stuff happens in the, our own solar system it happens on Earth or it happens away but it's like oh yeah they got past our Mars Defence Forces, which were apparently three fighters that were shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although, they, again, they did look expensive. And I'm also going to bring this up, right? Okay. We know from Enterprise that the Federation is founded by not just Earth and the Vulcans, uh, but there's like, I think the, the Tellarites and the Andorians yeah. are in it. Yeah. But, 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 a lot of, but it was Earth's idea. Yeah. Right? Broadly speaking. We got to space later than a lot of other people. I think it was a bit dickish to go, right, we found the Federation. Obviously, on the official mapping status, uh, Earth is Sector 001. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I like to imagine um, it was said with the same sort of tone as we should have pre-drinks at mine. Brackets. <laughs> This is the unspoken part, so that I can decide I'm too tired and not come out for the rest of the night. <laughs> We've got a lot of shit on Earth, and we don't want to move it. Do any the Andorians don't come with a big giant space van? I I reckon that what happened is the uh, we said we'll all vote on where's going to be Sector Zero Zero One, and everyone voted for themselves. Yeah, and the Vulcans were about to vote for themselves. And the the humans just went, oh, just just want to be zero zero one, bit bit arrogant, isn't it? That's a that's an emotion. 
isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I just goaded the Vulcans into being like, oh, fuck, now we're or fucking emotional. <laughs> they were like, um, so you could make Vulcan Sector 001, but could you imagine the booming tourism that you're going to get? <laughs> and the Vulcans all of a sudden were like, oh, fuck. Because imagine, the, uh, imagine, imagine a Vulcan tour guide. That's the thing. I don't think Vulcan would ever. I think Vulcan is probably the one of the least visited planets. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of good theme parks. It's like, <laughs> there's nothing logical about a log float, Mark. No, one's, no one on Vulcan's building one. <laughs> it's an irradiated wasteland full of boring librarians who will occasionally get horny and fight to the death. <laughs> okay, I can imagine there's a lot of tourism during that period. Oh yeah, but I the the two words you never hear on Vulcan are one shots and two wee right so <laughs> why would you go there yeah. right? I don't I've never been they've never shown Andor with their little antenna but I imagine there's but they have an ale I think the Andorians yeah. the Romulans have an ale I think the Andorians have a spirit and not to get stereotypical but it does seem bizarre that they decided to put Starfleet headquarters in San Francisco <laughs> rather than say New York uh, and I think it's because they were like we are going to make this federation fabulous Again, to, uh, I would like to point this out, Starfleet HQ being in San Francisco is from the original series. That's, that's where that's from. So, for, again, for all the people who like to claim that Star Trek wasn't political, right, there's a, there's a reason that Roddenberry chose San Francisco over, you know, literally any other city. <laughs> he could have made it, like, um, you know, London. London would have been plausible. You could have done anywhere. Like, if you want to be really out there, you could have done Delhi. Or Minsk yeah. or Gdansk. Because here's, here's, a, here's a fucking here's a here's a scientific fact. Uh, if you were to flatten the Earth out into some kind of map shape, London's in the fucking middle, and uh, <laughs> there isn't a single bit of logic that you could bring to make me not think that. <laughs> it's the case. Look at every map. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Africa's really small. It's not just in the middle; it's at the top as well. Yeah. So, right. We, we, I mean, uh, what are the two best positions? Middle and top. <laughs> Could have been in Ghana. But Ghana's not in the middle of the map, is it? It's not where time starts. So, <laughs> I, 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 I really hope that like they're all still like all the the clocks and everything in there because they've still got to have like time and a calendar we have star dates yeah are they are those are those on because i love the idea it's like oh we're obviously going to put starflight hq in in san francisco but then somebody on earth was like well, well obviously we're going to be using we're going to be using greenwich mean time right <laughs> it's the one without any pluses or minuses to it it makes sense. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what I'm saying is colonial colonialism will get to space. Yeah. I like the idea that, that, that star dates work on Pacific Coast time. <laughs> See, if you wanna if you wanna if you want your colour colour <laughs> your colonization to last a long time, colonize a concept. We colonize time, also gravity. So uh good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. We got there first. Nobody else is gonna change that. Good luck, America. Uh, you colonise the moon. That's just the place. Yeah, I can stop existing tomorrow. Yeah, because of time. Fuck me. That's gonna last forever. Yeah, what's there? <laughs> Nothing. I'd rather I'd rather go on holiday in Vulcan. <laughs> um, one thing else I want to mention about this episode, I just really like how Picard at the end of it is not okay. I yeah. feel like 
when we talk about it being like a really episodic show, it would have been very easy to skip over Picard having real, real trauma. Existential <laughs> trauma. Which is a trauma you, you don't get a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not emotional. It is emotional. It's not just emotional and physical. He has fucking existential trauma. When he says he remembers everything, ah. you've got to understand, that means that like every person who died face-to-face with a Borg during the Battle of Wall Street, and they've definitely been people over to grab a few drones and stuff, he remembers seeing through their eyes because that's how a hive mind works. Yeah. It, yeah, it's absolutely... It may it like the kind of trauma that makes you question whether you exist as a person. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like if you can be made to do things, are you anything? Yeah, it would it would fuck me. You know that uh, you know that way that sometimes when you say a word and you go that doesn't sound right, and then you look up how the word is spelled and you're like that's not how that word is spelled. Um, imagine that times a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> uh, oh, this is our last season as the uh, our last season as lieutenants, by the way. With our conceit that we get promoted every season, we're lieutenant commanders oh, now. Yeah. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah, that was, that, uh, was, next, that was good. Next season we get commander. Sweet. Uh, and then it's captain. And then for the last season we get to be admirals. Yeah. Which is when this this podcast will go off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> we may just start doing it in the universe again. Remember we briefly did that? That was a good idea that didn't go anywhere. Oh. Oh. But yeah, yeah it's a good, 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 good episode. Good you should definitely watch it. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye. The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.